tonight to the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 10, and we're going to look at verses 12 through 14. We're going to talk about the triumph over temptation tonight. Paul writes, as he's led of the Holy Spirit, Wherefore, let him that thinketh he standeth take heed, lest he fall. There hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that you're able, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape, that ye may be able to bear it. Wherefore, my dearly beloved, flee from idolatry. Well, last week we shared fellowship. And we shared what we called the dangers of fellowship. There's nothing dangerous about fellowship with God, but there's the danger of, of cutting our fellowship with God off. Sin does that. Sin cuts us off from fellowship with God. And then the week before that, we shared returning to the will of God. The child of God that goes astray can return to the will of God. We use David as our example in the 51st Psalm. He went astray and he hurt himself. He hurt others. And he hurt the heart of God. But we shared how to be restored from that. We shared confession of sin, forsaking of sin, and forgiveness and cleansing from our God. We learned how to deal with sin. That's a, that's a good thing to learn how to deal with. And tonight, we're going to learn how to deal with temptation before we sin. That'll, that'll curb off some sin right there, right there. And it's very important to do so. It's very important to share uh, temptation. Well, I think we make light of temptation in a lot of ways. But temptation is the beginning of some very devastating things in many lives. Temptation is not sin. However, when we give into that temptation and lust conceives, it brings forth sin. And the Bible says when sin is, when it is finished, brings forth death. So I tell you what, it would be a real good idea to deal with this business of temptation before we sin. As we think about this process of temptation and lust and, and it becoming sin, it, it reminds me of a technique the Eskimos use you've probably heard of. You know, they have to deal with wolves. And the way the Eskimos take care of the wolves is they take a knife and they coat it with blood and they let it freeze and... And then they put another coat on it and, and another. And they take that knife out and they, they pack it in the snow, blade up or, or in the ground or however they do it. And along comes a wolf and that wolf starts licking on that blood. And he, he's licking on it and he can't stop. And as he's licking and his tongue gets cold, it becomes numb and he licks until he licks right to the blade. And he's so numb he doesn't realize he has cut his tongue. And then he's licking on his own blood until he bleeds and he dies. What a, what a wonderful story, huh? But I tell you what, it's, 
It's, it's their true technique is what I understand. And it's very relatable to what happens with you and I. I'm afraid Satan's the Eskimo sometimes and we're the wolf. And we give in to temptation. And it does devastating things in our lives. He, if, if Satan can just get us to give in to temptation, he knows we become that much less useful to the plan of God and to God himself. You know, we're eternally saved, but we're not exempt from temptation. Temptation's going to happen. Satan knows this. So we can expect his attacks in our lives. As a matter of fact, in one way of thinking about it, we can expect his attacks as believers, maybe more than the unbelievers sometimes. Because he has the unbeliever right where he wants them. And don't you know that he loves to have that unbeliever, to have this wishful thinking or, the, or be a deceiving thought that they are all right with God without meeting the Lord Jesus Christ in their heart and being saved by him? I'm not going to go off there for a second, but, but you, you know what you can expect from him. He is enticing us with temptation. A believer can expect more attention than the unbeliever from Satan because he wants to be able to destroy our lives. He wants to be able to just have the unbeliever set aside in, in their unbelief and thinking they're all right with God so that he can further his attack on us and get us to fall into sin. And falling into sin starts with temptation. The alcoholic was tempted to take their first sip. And they did in a life of destruction. The, the high school kid is pressured and hears about the rush of this or that kind of drug. So they try it. And next thing you know, they're hooked for life. Everything starts with temptation. And temptation is not going away. Temptation is here to stay while we are upon this earth. So we have got to learn to deal with it as long as we are this side of heaven. And the good news is we can overcome it. There is a way for you and I to be able to overcome temptation. As we face temptation and deal with it, as, as we will learn to do tonight, we will actually grow stronger in the Lord as a result of our dealing and wrestling with temptation. We are not tempted by God, but what we obviously know is that God allows us to be tempted. He allows it, and He will use it for good in your life and in my life. He will strengthen us. We will draw closer to Him as we learn to deal with temptation. It'll depend on the way we respond to it. How are we going to respond to temptation? So before we get started, let's get started with a thought on, on three ways we'll respond to temptation. And let me just get the easy one out of the way first. Just surrender to it. 
That's the easiest thing to do. That is the easiest thing to do. Just do what we feel like doing. When the temptation comes along and it, and it, and it grabs us and, and it's trying to lure us in just, just to give in to it and, and live like we feel like and do whatever we feel like. That's the easiest thing to do. And that's what many people do. Just surrender to temptation. You know, there's no satisfying the flesh. Yet that does not stop many people from going that direction in life and trying to satisfy the unsatisfiable. It is a dead end road and it will mess up a life when we choose to live by our emotions and letting our emotions guide us. It blurs the lines of morality it blurs all sensible reasoning in our lives. Lost people live according to this pattern. This is the life of the lost person. And it's the life of way too many Christians as well. Many surrender to it. That's one way of responding to it. And, and some will battle against it. And where it sounds good to battle against temptation, it's not good when we try to do that in our own ability. You and I are no match alone for the temptations that we face in our lives. That's exactly what Paul was talking about in Romans chapter 6 and Romans chapter 7. He was talking about his inability to be able to live the Christian life. And to be able to fight temptation. To be able to turn from sin and not do sin. He said he was doing that which he didn't want to do. And what he did want to do, he couldn't find himself doing. And at the end of Romans 7, he says, Who shall deliver me from the body of this death? I mean, it's, it's loss after loss when we try to battle temptation ourselves and our own determination. Just loss after loss. I know some of you probably aren't a boxing fan. Some say I'm the last one there is. But, but when I watch the sport, you know, and, and the guys that make it on TV, they have a pretty good record. They're either undefeated or they just have a few losses maybe, single-digit losses, low single-digit. And I remember watching a while back, and I turned one on, and this guy somehow got on TV, and they said his weight class and his age and his, all that, and his record was four wins and 27 losses. 31 boxing matches. And that's, that's, he's still at it. You can give him that. But my thought was, you need a new trainer. You need to change something. You know, when Paul says, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? He said, I thank my God through Jesus Christ our Lord, we need a new trainer for battling temptation if we're battling it on our own because we are overmatched. We can surrender to it, battle against it, or, or there's victory. There is victory over temptation for children of God. Victory over temptation is dealing with temptation depending on the might, the power, and the strength of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's what Paul found out. 
And that's what you and I find out too. That there is victory over temptation depending on Him. We have a way to win over temptation. It's always going to be around. It's always going to come at us. But it does not have to beat us up. It does not have to to suck us in every single time. There is a way to win. There is such a thing as the victorious Christian life. And you and I can have it. Well, what about temptation though? As we... As we're thinking about this idea tonight, you know, who is tempted? Who's tempted? Well, well, we might think of Jesus and how Jesus himself was tempted. So that that just helps us to cut right to the point that everyone deals with temptation. There is no one who is not tempted. Jesus himself was tempted We're all affected by it. It comes our way from every angle. Our eyes are tempted by what we see. Our ears are tempted by what we hear. People pressure us into doing things, and that's temptation. You know, we're not as susceptible to some temptations as others. You know, we we all have common temptations in a lot of ways, but there are some differences There might be something that I'm very weak in and you're very strong in that area. And and you can thank God for an, an inherited way that you might have with that. But all of us do have weaknesses and there there is something that gets to every one of us. And I'm going to tell you something tonight. The devil knows it. He knows what our weaknesses are and and he's after us. And he personally targets us with those temptations. The devil knows But let me tell you something else. Jesus knows. Jesus knows our temptations. He knows our weaknesses. And where the devil wants to hurt us, Jesus wants to help us. And Jesus can help us. He not only knows our temptation, but he knows temptation. He knows how you and I feel when we are tempted. Remember, temptation is not sin. And he experienced what you and I experienced. Temptation in our lives. And so we don't need to try to run and hide our temptation from him. He knows about it. And he knows the experience of it. Yet he was without sin. He not only can help us, but he's a perfect example to be able to help us too. He never failed in in any area, and he knows about it. And we can receive the greatest help from him in it. One of my favorite verses, my favorite verse, when we come down to this topic, is Hebrews 4.15. I can't tell you what that just did to my heart when I heard this verse. It says, For we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. And I thought, wow, Jesus knows what I'm going through. He, I, I, I tried to hide it from Christians. I didn't talk about it. I didn't even give testimony of temptation in my life as a baby Christian. I thought people would look at me like I was a heathen or something. And then I find out. That Jesus knows how we feel in this. We must know 
we must know that none of us are going to rise above temptation while we're here, as in we are going to be tempted. You and I do not get to a place in this life where we are not tempted by things that go on. We must know this and that we're not automatically victorious. We can be victorious, but it's not an automatic thing with this constant thing called temptation that comes our way. It's not automatic. It's not easy street. God's not looking to make us easygoers. He's looking to make us overcomers. And, and for us to be overcomers, for us to be able to fight the battles that we go through in life, for there to be victory, it's going to require two opposing forces. You understand, God wants to show His strength in your life and in mine, helping us to overcome sin. He wants us to make us overcomers in life. We must know that the Lord will lead us through temptation and that we can experience victory. The temptations that come our way, what advertises those things to us? Well, first of all, verse 13 says that this temptation is common to all men. Common to man. So there's no one going around with such a unique, above and beyond, difficult experience that they're going through above anybody else. Someone else has gone through what you've gone through. Or wherever you're at right now, going through what you're going through. Whatever you have to face in the near future, someone else has had to face that too. And it's real encouraging when people walk through the Lord in it and we can see that example. But it is common to man. Everything that we deal with. So those you worship with, those you work with, those you walk by daily have gone through the very same temptations you have. You know, I've preached this verse 13 a different way before, because when you look up this uh, word temptation, you will find that it speaks of adversity, but you will also find that this word speaks of the temptation to sin. I've spoken on it on adversity before, but tonight we're looking at the latter. We're looking at the temptation, the enticement to sin, and we're going to deal with that tonight and just consider what advertises this temptation to us? You know, I think about, I think about a, a box of donuts. And man, you just get that variety going and you get one of every flavor. One coated this way and one coated that way. It's all sugar. It's all sugar. It's just decorated up different ways to appeal to you and I. And that's the same way temptation is in this world. And it just keeps getting decorated in different ways. This world is advertising it to us. And when I say world, I'm talking about the evil system of this world. We are told to love not the world. When Christians become worldly, the Lord Jesus Christ is not seen in us. Well, and what's the problem with that? Well, it's just kind of our purpose for continuing to be on earth here as children of God. That the Lord might be seen in you and I. And the more we love this world, the more that light's going to fade. And people aren't going to see Christ in us. And eventually we're going to see that this little quick thrill of the world, it, it doesn't last. 
It doesn't last, and it keep, it's keeping us back from what really matters. We're not to love the world. We're not to love those that represent worldliness. We're not to idolize those who are worldly with heathen morals and, and think nothing about our Lord. What's even worse is when they have those morals and then they want to, they want to confess our Lord. And I'm not judging the depths of that, but a conflicting lifestyle is just going to confuse people. The world has it all decorated up and advertised for us, though, unfortunately, in, in too many ways. You know, we look at people on the outside and, and, and look, I'm not saying we don't need to upkeep and care for ourselves, but, but too many people are focused on the outside and that appearance on the outside. It's the inside that you and I ought to be working on. That's our purpose, that the light of Christ would shine from us, that we would be beautiful within and that would shine outwardly. There's to be a glow coming from within and it's going to be a glow that's not of this world. We need to oppose this advertisement for temptation, not only by the world, but but by our very own flesh. You know, Peter says that when someone is saved, they receive a divine nature. So, so now that a Christian has a new nature, a Christian has two natures. If you've been in too many other churches before, you've probably heard somebody say it, say it different. And uh, I, I wouldn't mind talking to them because the other things I've heard, they're just not what's going on. They're not what I find in the Word of God. They, they're not what I find in the experience of my life. There is that old nature of Adam that is lingering around in my flesh. I know because it's always busy and it's trying to do something in my life. Don't tell me it's crucified and gone. It will be one day, but it's not right now. It is lingering around in that old flesh. The lost... They just bathe in temptation and sin, but you and I are in a battle. Galatians 5.17 says, For the flesh lusteth against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh, and these are contrary the one to the other, so that ye cannot do the things that you would. We are in a battle, and there are two natures at battle. We can't do something without a nature to do it. And there's two things we can be doing. And there's a battle going on. And as long as the remains of the flesh are lingering in us, it's going to link you and I to temptation that we would give in to it. It's going to advertise to us, but also the devil's going to do that. You know the devil wants you and I. He can't have us for eternity, but, but he wants us. He wants to get us right now. And do everything he can to us. He wants us to be tempted, tempted and to dive into sin and to dishonor God and to be useless in God's divine kingdom. He dresses up temptation and he puts it before us. And just like we said, he put he will put that thing before us that he knows that we are weak in. He's advertising it to us and he tries to pull us into the pollution of this world. And then he wants to point us out to our God and he wants to mock us to him. 
He's advertising it. What appeals? What is it that appeals to temptation? We could get into all kind of depths here till we got confused. But let me just say this. Our mind, our will, and our emotions. Where, where is our will going to go? Because, because it appeals to temptation. Temptation appeals to us by way of pride and by way of building up the ego. You know, Lot, he put himself in the midst of temptation. And Demas, he got to looking at that temptation. And he got to loving that temptation and he got to leaving. Paul said, he hath forsaken me, having loved this present evil world. Both of them went down as a loss. And we have to think about the fact that it starts with how we respond to temptation. Because Demas appeared to make a slow fade by the few things we read about him in the Bible. He was just looking and he wouldn't let it go in his mind. And all of a sudden lust conceived. And we don't know the very end of Demas, but, but he's not written of again. He lost. He lost. Lot lost. Demas lost. They both lost when they gave in to temptation. And we're tempted to look. And we're tempted to listen. And we're tempted to lie. And by temptation, lust will conceive. And it brings forth things. It brings forth anger. It brings forth adultery. It brings forth alcoholism. It brings forth addiction. It brings forth altercations in life. And the list goes on and on. We have an enemy within us that appeals to temptation. So it's a very serious matter for us to deal with. What action are we going to take when it comes to this temptation that comes our way? I want to tell you about three words tonight. Uh, removal, reassurance, and resistance. First, let's consider removal when we're talking about how we're going to act when it comes to temptation. See, because though temptation will exist until we go to heaven, we can and we're able to and we must remove ourselves from tempting situations. We can we can remove ourselves from the occasions of it that come our way. It's never going to go our way, but there are occasions and there are instances where we can and we must remove ourselves. The Bible tells us to. 1 Corinthians 6.18 instructs us to flee. Right here in 10.14, it says flee from adultery. 2 Timothy 2.22 says flee also youthful lusts. We cannot be in sinfully tempting environments and not sin. Proverbs 6.27 says, Can a man take fire in his bosom and his clothes not be burned? We just can't do it. We, we've got to separate from certain people, places, and things. There must be a removal from those things. But not only a removal, we need to consider reassurance when we go to act. Because, because it takes faith in our Lord and what He says He will do to help us in these times of temptation. The action is to trust the Lord that He's going to take care of us. 
He knows about it. He knows what we're dealing with. And he will take care of us when we turn from temptation and turn to him. That simple thought right there. Sometimes we just don't let go of that temptation. And it goes on and on. I mean, we tippy-toe that line. It is so dangerous. Turn from temptation and turn to the Lord Jesus Christ. We alone cannot triumph over temptation. So we trust Jesus Christ and the reassurance that we have in Him that in Him we can triumph over this temptation and we can have victory. But there's another word and, and that word is resistance. In James 4-7, I've heard someone quote just this portion of the verse before. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. That alone is not full truth. You can't break up the beginning of that verse. Because we can't just resist the devil and he'll flee. But the verse says, submit yourselves therefore to God resist the devil and he will flee. We're to flee from temptation to the Savior. We're not just to run scared. We're not just to run. But we're to run to the one who makes promises to take us through our temptation. And to give us victory over temptation. You see the devil's not scared of us. He's going to come at us. We can't resist the devil and he'll flee. But when we submit ourselves therefore to God. And that word submit means to arrange ourselves under the power and leadership of. When we submit ourselves to God. Then the devil can be resisted. He's not scared of us, but he trembles at the presence of our Lord. And he is our victory. Think of all the, you know, we've been talking about, we've been talking about fellowship getting severed. And we've been talking about going astray. And we can come back to the Lord. And that's encouraging to know. But think about all the sin and all the consequences that we are spared when we learn to deal with temptation, when we learn that we're no match for it on our own, that we're not to see what kind of spiritual superman we are and go out in the midst of a bunch of sin just to see where we stand. That, that's, not, that, that's missing the boat completely. We are to find our security and our strength in the Lord. And we are spared a lot of consequences and a lot of sin. The temptation we triumph over is by submission to God. He, the devil flees at the presence of the Lord. If you have a pulse here tonight, you're, you're experiencing temptation. We all, we all do. And we all will this side of heaven. It's a serious matter. It's the beginning of destruction for the Christian. It's the derailing of the preacher. And it's the deporting of the missionary out of the place God called him. It's the, it's the beginning of all of these things. And it does such devastating work and we, we can't make light of it. We desperately need to deal with temptation before it becomes sin in our lives. You know, 
if you have a thermostat in a room and you have a thermometer in a room, that thermostat is going to have control of the temperature. That thermometer is going to be controlled by the temperature. And, and look, temptation's in the room. It's, it's in the room everywhere we go. And, and we, got, we have to decide. There's no power in our decision, but there's power in, in the one we go to when we do decide. And we have to decide which one we want to be in this. Because there is victory in the Lord Jesus Christ. In trusting Him through the temptation, it's the only way to overcome it. It's, it's, a, it's a great need that we look away from ourselves and that we look to Him. That's how we triumph over temptation in Him. Let us take it serious and consider that. Uh, Brother John Weisenbaker, would you close us in a word of prayer tonight, please, sir?